0: A Compass Airlines flight is making a flight to Seattle when something unexpected occurs.
1: A United Airlines 747 is flying from Japan to Hawaii when something similar happens and they have to turn around.
2: What unexpected occurrence caused these flights to make emergency landings?
1: Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
0: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Welcome from the past. We're recording this on April 5th.
1: It's the past.
0: It's the past. Oh, because
2: dude. currently, at least for this one, we are out of the country. So.
0: Yes. <laughs> so if we fail to make references to anything that happens between now and when this comes out, there's a reason. Yes. That's your reason.
1: And also, this is going to be slightly different.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. This is the first time in a very long time that I am covering the history of flight. I am actually covering the entire part of the crash I'm covering. Because? The second half is a different crash.
1: Right. So we're doing two minisodes.
0: Yes. We have promised many a listener minisodes and have uh, not done them. Flopped.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now we're getting around to them, but this has actually been really useful for us because these are much easier to research and... Record in advance. Record and edit. So... So that okay, is we are. that is the benefit.
2: Yeah, so the patrons who've given us several <laughs> mini sods, most of them we're doing now that yes. you recommended. Um and then and just so everyone knows, normally these would be for patrons only, but we like we said, it's just easier for us to record in advance
1: for yep. these, so this worked to our advantage.
0: Yeah. So what are we covering today, Christy? This is This <laughs> is <laughs> This incident occurred on February 13th, 2019. Not that long ago. Yeah. Flight 5763 was a regularly scheduled passenger flight operating for Delta Connection from the John Wayne Orange County Airport in Santa Ana, California. All
1: right. Been there.
0: Yep. To Seattle Tacoma International Airport, commonly known as SeaTac. Okay. Also been there.
1: So it's a West Coast flight, it's just straight up the coast.
0: Yep. With nice. two flight crew, three cabin th- crew. And 59 passengers for a total of 64 souls on board. Despite the report saying something different in the middle. Hmm. Said like 75 pa- people on board. I'm like, I don't know where you're getting your math. That has happened to me before, though, where it says something
2: at the beginning and different in the middle of the report.
1: And you're like, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, <laughs> this is a probably a 75 seater period.
0: I did. I took the numbers from the injury roster. So, okay. that's where I'm getting my information. That's where I usually get mine.
1: That's where I usually get mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 10 out of 10. This plane was an Embraer ERJ-175, also known as an erj one seventy two hundred lr Yep. With two turbofan engines. Mm. We plane spot many of these.
1: Yes. We don't cover many of these because they're actually really reliable airplanes.
0: There's nothing wrong with the airplane. Good. Spoiler alert. The captain was 32 years old and male. And he had 4,270 hours total with 2,727 hours on the ERJ. Particularly, I think, the 175. He had 1,962 hours as pilot in command overall. The first officer was 30. And he had 2,233 hours total with 674 being on this aircraft. And he will be the pilot flying. 40 minutes into the flight.
1: Yep, we just skipped all that. Skipping right ahead. Great. Perfect.
0: The going was smooth between the cloud layers, and the captain told the cabin crew to begin cabin service, but that he would leave the seatbelt sign on because there was a report of quote-unquote occasional light chop. So the cabin crew got up and prepared for their drink service, and all was well for about 20 minutes. All of a sudden, chaos ensued. Fantastic. (laughs) The airplane shot up as it hit an area of severe turbulence that lasted for about eight seconds. In the cockpit, the Traffic Collision and Avoidance System, a.k.a. TCAS, went off, of all things.
1: Fantastic.
0: Why? Well, they shot up into the path of opposite direction traffic 1,000 feet above them. Wow.
1: Oh, God. Yikes. Panic. This is not a <laughs> that,
0: good thing. That 1,000-foot
2: ascent is one of those...
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's not good at all. That's a hefty updraft. That's uh-huh.
0: a huge updraft. To push
1: you up a 1,000 feet...
0: Yep. The first officer disengaged the autopilot and applied forward control pressure in compliance with the resolution advisory from TCAS, and the captain assisted with the controls to get the desired pitch attitude. Once the crisis was averted and they were back to their assigned flight level, the captain alerted air traffic control of the turbulence and TCAS occurrence. Meanwhile in the cabin, the cabin crew had just started their drink service when two of the flight attendants abruptly hit the ceiling... And then the floor. Oh, God. Ow. One passenger had been in the lavatory at the time. Oh, Oh, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) And had a small head laceration.
1: Yeah. Ow. That's it? Yeah. Lucky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was actually her wound that led the captain to declare an emergency and the flight diverted to Reno, Nevada. The flight attendant in the aft galley was assisted by a medically qualified passenger and stayed on the floor until landing due to her injuries, and she went to the hospital with a broken arm. Ouch. The flight attendant? Yeah. Ouch. I mean, she hit the ceiling. And then the floor. Yeah. Workman's
1: comp at its finest.
0: <laughs> uh, yes.
1: You definitely got hurt on the job. I, I'm glad someone was like, please don't move. Yeah. Because
0: you could, He she could have like a spinal cord injury uh-huh. or something.
1: Uh-huh. The bathroom's like just a dangerous thing waiting to happen. Like that is yeah, just. Yeah, I'm
0: surprised that the passenger in there just had a small headwind.
1: Yes, let alone, hopefully the toilet wasn't full. I mean, I'm just saying
0: that. I tried to not. <laughs> That's what everybody's, all thinking.
1: everybody's thinking it, so I had to say it out loud. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there, what I'm sure they won't cover it. Let's just hope that that wasn't the case. <laughs> you ready for the super extensive analysis? <laughs> Quote. Post-accident examination of the weather satellite data depicted cloud patterns aloft consistent with the presence of a convective updraft coincident with the flight's location at the time of the turbulence encounter. The convection appeared to be embedded with stratiform clouds and may not have been visually identifiable by the flight crew, end quote. Wait, they were able to... What? They are able to see the turbulence? What? On radar and meteorological data, they're like, "There's an updraft there, and there's no way the crew would have known that." Yeah, I feel like that's really hard to see. Hmm. <laughs> it was embedded in the clouds, which they were flying between.
1: Yep. So that's unfortunate. I mean,
0: they're pretty much like that was unavoidable.
1: Unfortunately, and that is sometimes the situation. I Yikes! Mean, the
0: plane did have a few. Damages. They did not describe them though, so sure. I don't know what that looked like. Sure. They just said there there was minor damage. Okay. I don't know. And the probable cause.
1: Alright. As
0: we yeah, let's go. The National Transportation Safety Board determines the probable cause as of this accident to be an inadvertent encounter with convective turbulence that resulted in a TCAS RA, which required an abrupt control input by the flight crew to resolve the conflict. It was They basically filled out a form that had the parenthesis cause as. Yeah. Right. It didn't actually have multiple.
1: This is one of those situations, though, where when they tell you, like, have your seatbelt on. That's why
0: you're supposed to have your seatbelt on. Let let me continue into my unofficial recommendation.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Because when I looked up severe turbulence and pretty much put the Google search filter to in the last, like, three years since Mm -hmm. this happened, most of it was... Climate change and global warming are advancing and progressing and getting worse. Mm-hmm. So is turbulence.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: That's just the reality of it. Yep. Part of the earth warming is that causes convection. It causes the it? spinning within the air.
1: If you live somewhere warm, you should be well aware of this because thunderstorms are a thing. And that is caused by high and low pressures converging. In hot places with convective currents. (laughs) So,
0: And one particular thing that was pointed out is going to get worse is a little phenomenon called clear air turbulence. We will get to that later. We
1: will talk a lot about that later.
0: The NTSB has asked that pilots be more diligent about submitting pilot reports or PIREPS as soon as they encounter turbulence so other flights know what they're getting themselves into. That's pretty much the only way you would know that 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 is there. Is if someone else steps in that puddle first. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that is true. And yeah, pilot reports are pretty heavily relied upon in this world, even today. Um, and there's a lot of like, <clears throat> you can look up pilot reports. You can go do this yourself if you want to go look at them. Where? You go to aviationweather.gov. Chris is going to do it. I will guide you there, which is all things aviation. And then one of the <laughs> options at the top says Pyreps. reps."
0: It does. Uh, please tell me there's pie reps for today.
1: I'm sure there are. Oh, the and wind! And You zoom in to wherever you want to look at, i.e., here, where I. it e. is very windy Denver. today. Yeah. And you can set the time frame too, because there's it'll t- like there there's a
0: low level wind shear warning.
1: Yeah, there's that.
2: Well, that would be because of the
1: low level wind shear. Yeah. When you click on that or hover over it, rather. You should be able to see what type of aircraft and what they reported. Urgent Pyrep APA.
0: APA, which is Centennial Airport, Nick's former workplace. Yep. Okay, so to translate cuz you probably can't hear Nick very well. Flight level 063 or 6300 feet. It was a Learjet 35 that reported it, and they reported low-level wind shear.
1: Of Can you read that next part?
0: Of plus of plus minus 10 to 15 knots,
1: which is a lot when you're on final.
0: Uh yes. <laughs> that and is you're a flying lot. a Learjet.
1: Anything more than five is really dangerous. Okay, I want. To... So, literally, this is public information. Anybody can go look at this anytime. You can go see this for yourself what pilots are reporting anywhere in the country and a lot of places on Earth.
0: Also, for those of you who are unaware, on Flight Radar 24, not that we're sponsored or anything, um, but you can look up the METARs for airports. Yes, you can. I do that frequently. I should have done that today. I don't know why I didn't.
1: You can also do that on AviationWeather.gov. AviationWeather.gov is the most official form of weather search for literally aviation weather.
0: There is another PIREP uh, for Denver, Okay, DIA, Mm -hmm. at flight level 210, reported by a CRJ200, of moderate turbulence... At that flight level. Sure. That's all I could translate from. 21,000
1: feet. That's okay.
0: The last last recommendation, unofficially, that both the NTSB has and we have is for you passengers. Yes, I am talking to you. You, who are listening. Hello.
2: You. You people.
0: Hello. Buckle your damn seatbelts. The amount of people, especially,
2: especially when they turn on the seatbelt sign. Even
0: Mm -hmm. if it's off. Be buckled in you're supposed to yeah. do that
2: anyway and i know people don't do that but especially like if they know there's going to be turbulence they will turn on the seatbelt sign do not be that idiot because we've seen plenty of those idiots who stand up in the middle of the aisle way right after they do that i'm like you are gonna die sir
0: <laughs> or ma'am or they usually be. it's a sir i know sometimes um. it's a ma'am <laughs> But especially when the seatbelt sign is off, that's when you will encounter unexpected turbulence. Yes, and it, let it, me let me emphasize the term unexpected.
2: That's why they say you should still keep your seatbelt fastened when you are sitting in your seat and the seatbelt sign is off. Yeah. There
0: there weren't further injuries on this flight because everyone was buckled in. Therefore, they did not hit their head on their overhead panel,
1: which is good. Because.
0: Flying straight into the overhead bin
1: sounds like so much fun. We will have a lot of opportunity in the second half to talk about unexpected turbulence.
0: In total, there was one serious injury and four minor injuries. The...
1: Obviously, the broken arm is probably the serious one.
0: Or the head laceration. The broken arm was considered the serious injury.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I would think so.
0: I expect that the other two flight attendants are the two minor injuries from the crew.
1: Very potentially, yes.
0: I wouldn't think that the flight crew would be injured. More than
1: likely, no. Although there's plenty of things to get hit by or hit your head on in a flight deck. Also whiplash exists. (laughs) Yes, also that. But more than likely, it was the cabin crew.
0: And then there were a total of two passenger injuries that were both classified as minor.
1: Yes, one of those being the head laceration. The other one? Who knows?
0: It said a minor head laceration or small head laceration, so it's
1: it was probably not even it might
0: not have even needed stitches. Right. So it was just a boo boo. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's it.
1: Pretty simple. And it is this is one of those things that still very much occurs and is still very, very prevalent. Obviously, this was twenty nineteen, so this isn't that long ago.
0: But this is more of a PSA to passengers. To a, this is going to happen.
1: It, it's unavoidable.
0: The NTSB did not have any official recommendations for this flight because there's they did everything correctly. There's nothing right. they could have done differently. Exactly. the The biggest reason that we wanted to cover this and we accepted covering this minisode was, it's just a reality. And here's what you can do to prevent yourself from getting it. It's
1: probably the most real still occurring thing because there really is no way to avoid this. I, I read mean, a
0: statistic that 65% of passenger injuries nowadays are from turbulence.
1: Yeah, absolutely they are. Well, and the thing is, is while yes, we have technology in a lot of airplanes that can basically see these the turbulence ahead of the airplane and kind of be able to counteract it ahead of time and be prepared for it, it's always going to be there. It's just not possible to avoid it completely. It reminds me of when we were coming back from Aspen. Mm-hmm. Or was it
2: Aspen? No, it was Seattle.
1: Oh, yeah, from we Seattle. Were yeah, back yeah, from yeah. Seattle. Yeah, the super bumps.
2: Yeah. And the lady behind us is like, Sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We're going to die. I'm like, Can you calm down? It's we're not going to die. Turbulence. You have
1: your seatbelt on. It you're was be fine. It
2: was pretty, I mean, I know in in your case, it wasn't hefty turbulence, but for like mm-hmm. Christy and I, it was pretty hefty turbulence. Oh, don't get me
1: wrong. It was hefty for a full blown turbojet airliner. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> it was like, Woo. We were like, Oh, dear God. <laughs> like, I ended up having to hold on to the, the Arm hand
0: rests. armrests, you know, because your stomach does the
2: wee. Thing, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: yeah.
0: I will also say there are plenty of other flights that we could have covered in lieu of this. There are ones that are more recent, there are ones that have more injuries. Yes. This is just the one that was recommended. If you want us to cover more, let us know. Send it to us. It's going to yes. be the same thing, but I I, I like covering the. And chaos erupted, like...
1: Yes.
2: And people actually hit the ceiling.
1: Yes. Well, we get to talk about that. <laughs> and I'm kind of excited, <laughs> which is not good. No. It's, it's it's terrible.
0: And we will be back with that after this brief message.
1: Yeah. Ryan
0: Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Several Hello. days later. Yes. We're recording this part several days later. You'll and know
2: that because
1: we also have a guest.
2: Now. And that is Lissa. Hey. Well, is so, back. Well, it's been a long back. time. It's been it has. <laughs> over a year. No, it's <laughs> good though. It's like a year and a couple months, I think. Yeah. No?
1: Well,
2: yeah. January. It was last January. Yeah.
1: What? Yeah. Wow. See? We hadn't moved yet. It's been a hot minute.
0: It's been a while. And it was my okay. birthday. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't. Thank you.
1: That's right. (laughs) Good God. Okay. So there we go. That answers that. Yeah. Now we have a guest for this uh, half.
2: Yeah. Which I still get to ask, what are we covering, Nick? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So today we're covering United Airlines Flight 826. This one, you you ready for a ride? They weren't. Yes. No, they were not. This is, um, this will keep with the theme that we have going for this episode.
0: Which, by we- the way, the last thing that I covered
1: was about turbulence. Yes. Okay. But now we're going to cover something a little different. This happened on December 28th of 1997. This was a Boeing 747-100, the original 747.
0: Is it shorter?
1: Yes, it's slightly shorter than the other variants, not by much. The one hundred and the two hundred actually were virtually the same. The two hundred had a few differences. It had better engines and more fuel capacity. Gotcha. Uh, and it was slightly strengthened so that it could hold more weight. Gotcha. Better m But then you get into the three hundred and the four hundred. They're slightly longer. They also have a much longer upper deck that's actually much more usable. So there is a few differences when you go through the seven hundred and forty seven variants. But this was the original. It's kind of it's the base of where the seven hundred and forty seven started. This had the tail number November 4723 uniform. Mind you, because this is a 747-100, they were pretty old at this point. We're talking 1997, and the airplanes, the 747 was introduced in 1969. So this variant of the 747 was originally built in 1969. This airplane, though, in specific, was built a handful of years later, but was still very old. We'll talk about how old later. This is a flight from Tokyo's Narita International Airport to... Honolulu in Hawaii. Have we covered when this happened? Yes. Yes. 1997. Okay. December 28th of 1997. I apparently flacked out. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. So, part of the reason that this this incident ended up in the mini-sodes is because while there is kind of a pseudo-report, like almost a full report, structured very similarly, there was no findings, recommendations, or cause- There was also little bits of information that were just missing, like just general things that would normally be there. I.e., when I'm talking about the crew, this is all the information they had. The captain had 15,000 hours, roughly, as captain on the 747, which is a lot. We've never talked about somebody. Oh, my God. We've never talked about somebody who has that much experience in one single role. Jeez. So, very experienced captain. Along with that, the first officer also had about 10,000 hours on the 747, which is also insane. That's a lot of hours. Good God. Mind you, United's had these airplanes for a long time by this point. I don't know what the ages are, don't know what their names were, nothing. None of that exists. Don't know how much total flying time any of them had. There's also a flight engineer. He had 3,500 hours of pilot time, but that doesn't apply here. What does apply is his 850 hours as flight engineer on the 747. So, by far and away, the least amount of hours. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> Not uh, even a thousand. A lot.
1: Not yeah. even a thousand. In Tokyo, 374 passengers and 19 crew boarded the aircraft.
0: I forget how much that plane can carry. It's
1: a lot. It's a double-decker. When you talk about nearly 400 people are suddenly on an airplane, that is a lot of people. The flight departed Narita at 8.30 p.m. local time. The takeoff and climb was uneventful. The flight reached its cruising altitude of 31,000 feet, which was originally planned as 35,000 feet, but was changed by the air traffic controller due to other traffic along their route, and they leveled off for what was expected to be an easy flight to Honolulu.
0: But it wasn't.
1: It was, until things took a very dramatic turn.
0: The drama. That's yes. all. The suspense. The suspense. <laughs> what did I say in the first half? Chaos ensued. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my, it did chaos ensue. One hour and 40 minutes into the flight, as the airplane was flying under the stars of night, they encountered minor quote-unquote wave action. That is the captain's words. Okay. The captain turned on the fasten seatbelt sign, and the announcement, the general announcement, you've, I'm sure you've all heard it before, where they tell you, Hey, the captain's turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. Please return your seat and fasten your seatbelts. Please, God. They They make that announcement in English and in Japanese, and they did so. The captain turned on the exterior lights of the airplane to look for any clouds, but didn't see any. Ahead of them, a little ways, on the same route, was Northwest Airlines Flight 90. The captain of UA-826 radioed Northwest Flight 90 for a report on the turbulence ahead of them. Northwest 90 reported a smooth ride, apart from some small bumps. How far ahead? It didn't say, but I'm guessing... They're more than 100 miles ahead.
0: Okay. Huh.
1: So we'll he- talk about... Their radios reach really far, because we'll, we'll talk about another airplane later. You'll see just how far. It's okay. nuts, actually. Anyways. Just two minutes after encountering the quote-unquote wave action, the aircraft suddenly entered severe turbulence, lasting for a handful of seconds. Just seconds later, they entered another pocket of severe turbulence, very severe while flying through this turbulence pocket, the captain made an announcement over the PA instructing the flight attendants to take their seats and told the passengers not to be alarmed. Um. <clears throat> That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> when...
0: how, how are the flight attendants faring at this point, given what happened last half? We'll get there. Okay.
1: All of that said, this was hardly just severe turbulence. This was destructive turbulence. The aircraft experienced 1.8 G's upward. Some sideways g's followed by negative zero point eight g's downward. Just six seconds later, they had fallen a hundred feet in under a second. Woo! I know that. Wow! Like it, it, this was no joke. Like they dropped. You know, this was this was an up motion, down, and then up again, and then they dropped one more time. I That's mean, it the was
2: worst kind of carnival
1: ride. This is some super heavy turbulence on a massive Woo. airplane.
0: So I want to kind of talk about something a little briefly so you're mention you're mentioning everything in g's yes. which is a measure of acceleration right so change in position over time is speed change in speed over time is acceleration right change in acceleration over time is this wonderful thing called jerk yes i would say that that
1: this is jerk yes <laughs> <laughs> this is this is jerk and this is not small jerk the captain then ordered the first officer to reduce their speed he did so, reducing to 330 to 340 knots set manually, as they were not using the auto throttle at the time per company procedures. Don't ask me why, didn't dive into it, but my guess is because normally this is supposed to be a smooth flight out over the ocean, it's relatively easy for them to set the throttles manually. Also, this is a very old 747, so the auto throttle is probably pretty rudimentary. The captain then broadcast the turbulence report, their turbulence report, to the other aircraft in the area, prompting Northwest Flight 22 behind them to climb to flight level 350. At about that time, there was a green echo on their weather radar, 50 to 60 miles ahead of them, but nothing worse, and nothing in their area at all. What
2: does green echo mean? That's
1: uh, precipitation and or turbulence. They actually had radar for both on this airplane. Oh, cool. Hmm. Um, And they had it selected to both for both of their displays. That did a whole lot of good. Yep. Fat lot of good that did. Well, so here's the thing. It it kind of generalizes, because this was a, a pretty rudimentary radar as well. It kind of generalizes based on what it sees ahead of it. So if it sees precipitation it kind of assumes hey you might hit some turbulence so that's what it's looking for and this is you know it's just like when you look at a radar like from a news station or like on your phone you have red yellow green Mm -hmm. so green is all they were seeing and it was well ahead of them not even close so they were kind of like i don't know (laughs) The flight crew saw no clouds in their area, apart from some light clouds below and to the right of them. The autopilot disengaged briefly during the turbulence, but was not immediately noticed by the crew due to the severity of the turbulence. Why might they have missed that? Not just because of the turbulence. The overspeed warning sounded at the time of the turbulence. The first officer reduced the power, followed by the captain adjusting the auto throttle and setting it. So basically at this point it was really hard for them to be managing speed manually and they were like screw it we're just going to set the autopilot set the auto throttle. Also warning lights illuminated on the internal navigation system or INS for the number 1 and number 3 INS. So this is or this is the inertial navigation system I should say. What this actually does is this is what feeds data about Pitch, roll, things like that to their attitude indicator. So this is the, it basically it told them that two of their systems that feed that data to the cockpit suddenly don't work. Mm. We'll get there. Also, the number four hydraulic low pressure lights illuminated, indicating <laughs> an issue. The flight crew did manage to clear the INS warnings and the errors seemed to be fully cleared. So they were still able to use their instruments normally. Yeah, that's the good news. It was later determined that the number four hydraulic system switches were bumped to the off position during the turbulence by something in the cockpit. Uh-oh. No idea what. To me, it's like, wow, it was that easy. That's horrifying.
0: What Is got it? bumped?
1: The hydraulic, number, oh. the number four hydraulic system switches oh, 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 were switched oh. to off.
2: Oh, well, that's why they got a warning.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would do it. All other systems appeared to be functioning normally. As the turbulence subsided, the captain requested permission to climb to flight level 330 from the air traffic controller, and they did so. The captain then called the cabin crew to ask about the condition of the passenger cabin. The lead cabin crew member informed him that there was a flight attendant lying in one of the aisles, and the cabin was a mess, and there were several injuries. The captain then asked the lead flight attendant to find a doctor on board to treat the injured. Two doctors were found and were given the airplanes a medical kit, oxygen bottles, and first aid kits. One doctor began performing CPR on a passenger that was laying in an aisle, while the other aided to the other passengers and crew. So
2: were they getting thrown around the fuselage?
1: Yes, big time.
2: So they didn't have their seatbelts on? No.
1: We'll talk about it. I mean, some did, some didn't. We'll talk about that. The captain then sent the flight engineer back to examine the cabin. The flight engineer reported to the captain that there were several injuries among the crew and passengers. As the flight engineer returned to the flight deck, the captain then went to the cabin to inspect the injuries and damage himself. The captain considered diverting to Midway Island, hmm. Midway Atoll, the nearest landing point to them. Had there been dangerous structural damage to the aircraft that was apparent, then they would have. this would have been a suitable decision because it was the nearest thing to them, and that would have been the safest thing. But there would be no medical assistance there, because there's nobody there. If you know anything about Midway at all, they still maintain the runway, actually, because it's so out in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific that it is a safety thing. It's It's there for them to use as a place to land when they need to. And read up on it. There's still a few airplanes land there every year because of one thing or another. So it's still very much used, but there's nobody there.
2: Yeah, didn't we learn something about it when mm-hmm. we went to the USS Midway? Mm-hmm. Probably. Because that's where the ship got its name from. Yes. It didn't fight in the Battle of Midway, but yes. that's where it got its name from.
1: Yes. Instead, they opted to return to Narita for medical attention. It had taken about 20 minutes to make that decision to turn back, however... When the captain had returned to the cockpit, he radioed UA-824, they're 826, so that's only two numbers off, which was 600 miles ahead of them, to contact the United Airlines dispatch and inform them that they were turning back to Narita. Obviously, they just didn't have any kind of contact with dispatch, but they figured... Because they're
0: in the middle of nowhere. Right.
1: 824 is much closer to Hawaii. They're like, you can probably talk to them before we can. So yeah. you let them know. They then turned around to the north and climbed 500 feet. This was a pretty good decision on the captain's part. So he made a left turn to turn to turn the north to kind of start heading back. And they eventually yeah. collected the same route, basically, and just head straight back to Narita. But he climbed 500 feet because then he's off 500 feet from anybody else going yeah. in either direction. That was a smart decision just to make sure that no matter what, you're not going to hit anybody. The Tokyo Air Traffic Controllers cleared them back to Narita shortly thereafter. The captain then made a second visit to the cabin where he observed several flight attendants under duress. This is directly from the report, basically. Several flight attendants under duress because of injuries. So they were just not doing well. Yeah. The United Airlines dispatch asked for the estimated time of arrival to Narita at some point. They finally managed to talk to dispatch. And the number of injuries on board. The dispatch then prepared to the staff at Narita to handle the inbound aircraft. The airplane arrived back at Narita three hours after the incident, without issue, where they were greeted by emergency personnel and vehicles. It took them a lot longer to get back than it yeah. did for them to leave. I think um, because they probably reduced speed a lot.
2: Oh, I was going to say, um, I don't know how long it takes to get from Japan to Hawaii. but A while. Well, I mean. Yeah. You're going over almost an entire ocean, so I understand that, but were they, I'm assuming they were closer to Narita than to Hawaii, which is why they decided not to just continue to fly to Hawaii.
1: They were only an hour and 40 minutes in when this happened out of what is probably an eight hour flight. Oh, okay. So they were much closer to Japan. Okay. So yeah, they, they turned back to the right place for sure. It took them a while. They probably had to burn fuel. They probably flew a little bit slower and they probably had to. Be sequenced in eventually, and yeah. there's there's a whole series of things that happen that can cause that to be take three hours. Many people were treated on site for injuries. Some were taken to the hospital. One passenger unfortunately perished due to their injuries. The one that they were performing CPR on, she was a 32 year old Japanese woman who did not have her seatbelt on, and was thrown from her seat. Wear your damn seatbelt. Fifteen passengers and three crew were seriously injured. One of the things that I read said one of the crew members, it happened so fast. He was standing in one of the galleys and all of a sudden the airplane just dropped, went up, dropped, went yeah. up. And within three seconds, basically, he found himself hanging upside down on a countertop.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> Christy's face. I'm upside sorry. down. It's not funny. Yeah. The face Christy
0: made was Here,
1: like, How? let me, to,
0: I, I'm confused.
1: Allow me to read this directly from the report because or from the Wikipedia page, the best of all sources, you know, because it just, this is where I read this. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Hold on.
0: Like, I can't even picture in my mind what that would look like. I know. Your toes. Granted. Huh, what? Hanging by your toes. Yeah. From what?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 15 pa- the 15 passengers and three flight attendants, by the way, they had spine and neck fractures.
2: Yeah, oh, that doesn't eat. surprise that
1: me. That is not least. good. Mm-hmm. If
2: you're going to hit the, you know, if the way that the plane moved, you're hitting the top of the fuselage, or hitting the bins. Right. And if you hit them hard enough and you slam back down on the floor, yep. yeah, you're going to have neck and back injuries. Yeah,
1: yeah, you think? So here it says... After about two minutes of not very strong turbulence, suddenly the 747 dropped slightly, then shot back up and then back down at such a velocity that a purser who was hanging on a fixed countertop found himself hanging upside down, holding the countertop with his feet in the air. What? The airplane then pitched up. I'm still
0: up. confused. The
1: airplane then pitched up and steeply climbed before heavily falling again. This occurring when the right wing dropped sharply. After another moderate climb, the flight returned to normal. I'm yeah. still confused. This is how, I mean. The- I mean, it
2: just means that the acceleration they had going down meant that yeah. his body flipped itself up. So he was yeah. holding on to go down da- while well, they were going right. down. So they were in the air.
1: I'm guessing, I'm just picturing this, like he's got his hands held on the countertop yeah. oh. and his feet are, are up, in the, the air. up yeah. in the air, upside down. and Okay. I mean, it is just.
2: That's just how much acceleration yes. they had going down that it flipped. <laughs> right. <laughs> like gravity. Yeah. For a second. Yep. Yeah.
1: It says here, see, the numbers just don't add up, so I'm confused. But anyways. that happens sometimes. Another 84 passengers and crew were minorly injured Mm. in some way, shape, or form. Didn't really say bruises, things like that. Now, here's the interesting thing. The airplane, and here's just to give you an idea of how old it was. The airplane, though not deeply inspected and with little apparent signs of damage, was written off. As unrepairable after the flight, as it was old and due to be retired within a year.
2: okay. (laughs) That makes sense.
1: It was determined that it was not worth the cost or time to inspect and repair the airplane, so they just...
2: Yeah, with whatever may have been. They wrote it off uh, as being... Damaged beyond repair.
1: Yep, damaged beyond repair. Okay, well, yep, that makes sense.
0: Insurance. How... How...
2: We're not the insurance company. I don't think we'd not if you were for cared.
0: airplane insurance.
1: They were about ready to pay money to get rid of the airplane anyways because that's usually what happens. Oh, you okay. Pay a company dismantle it. Gotcha.
0: Cuz I was like, would they even like reimburse you if you wrote it off even though it wasn't write-offable? I don't know.
1: Now for some brief analysis and most of this is uh not really even what they actually have in the report. This is just to spur the conversation because there's not much there. <laughs> It was quickly determined that the aircraft encountered clear air turbulence. Aha. This is a phenomenon that is not rare, but can be very, very severe at times. Just like in this case. I mean, super bad. So clear air turbulence is exactly what it sounds like. Clear air turbulence is you're flying out in clear air. There's no clouds. There's no sign of anything wrong. And all of a sudden, bumps. And in this case, might as well be slamming into a wall. Right. You know, it's super severe. And in a lot of cases, actually, in more cases than not, it tends to be very rough. And this is a phenomenon that's caused by quite a few series of things. But generally, it's just really high winds. The turbulence was brief, but very dramatic and did not last uh, very long in that area in general. So, I mean, airplanes were ahead of this airplane, And airplanes were behind this airplane, and none of them encountered the same turbulence. Right. So it's very brief. That's why this is a very specific phenomenon, is it's not just saying, oh, it's a little bit of turbulence you encounter out in clear air. Well, that happens generally all the time. This is more specifically a pocket of turbulence that occurs in clear air. Very, can be very severe. Strong shifting winds typically cause these small pockets of nearly undetectable turbulence during the day and night. There was a turbulence SIGMET, or Significant Meteorological Event. Basically, they they when they know and can predict that there's going to be a very large area where there's going to be turbulence, they will create this large area and tell pilots, just so you know, if you're flying through this area, you're very likely to encounter turbulence. So there was a SIGMET for turbulence, for part of their route and the ocean crossing. But it did not include the area where the incident happened. Mm. It was actually before that. They had encountered a small bit of turbulence before all of this. It was like 15 minutes or so into the flight. Something like that. Or it was... I don't even remember. It was somewhere long before they actually encountered this turbulence. And they had turned the seatbelt on briefly and the captain at that time had made an announcement to keep your seatbelt fastened while seated. However, that part was not translated into Japanese. Mm. It was, it was found later that there were significant westerly winds of between 105 and 125 knots in the area of the incident at the time. Yikes. There was also several severe wind shear areas of around 25, 30 knots Changes in the area of the incident. So it's hard to express how much that actually means. The airplane is traveling really quickly. That means that if they go through a small pocket where all of a sudden 30 knots of air is just not there. Yeah. (laughs) That's why the airplane suddenly drops like a rock because all of a sudden it loses stability. It's hard to explain just how dramatic that can be. It's one thing when the airplane's traveling slowly. It's still pretty dramatic. That's a big drop. But for it to happen so suddenly when the airplane's traveling at 500 and some odd miles an hour, that's that's ugly. So, that's really everything they determined from this. They, I mean, they figured out what it was obviously pretty quickly because yeah. they had all the survivors in the airplane and everything. And they, they knew. They had the black boxes and everything. Things that really have changed since then. They didn't have any of these listed, but this is what exists today. Since the incident, there have been increased technology to improve turbulence and wind shear detection by ground satellite and onboard detection methods on aircraft. There was already quite a bit at that time. This was just an old airplane. Yeah. But now there's even more. I mean, a lot more. There's when they were designing the 787, they had, this whole new system built in to detect turbulence and the autopilot is act, actually designed to counteract the turbulence mm-hmm. before it even gets there. Like it can read the air ahead of it and it says, oh, right there's a drop. Then it's going to counter that to make the airplane smooth mm-hmm. as much as possible through that. Now it's never going to be 100% smooth. You're still going to encounter But that's just
0: turbulence. like literally nature.
1: Right. That's just, yeah, the way it's going to be. So that's... What it is, you know, they've done what they can, basically, and will continue to do so. But weather data is also generally more accurate these days. Just one of those things that progresses with time. We just know more about weather, weather changes, weather patterns. We can see a lot more data with weather, especially with the advent of a lot of satellite data being fed for weather. So that's one of those things that they can a lot more easily predict and be able to avoid. Other things... Turbulence is on the rise and worsening, much like we talked about last in the first week. half. Yeah, yeah. Or last week. Yeah, in the first half. Uh, in
2: the first half. Yes.
1: Regardless of all of these changes. So it's nearly a requirement at this point to be buckled when you're in your seat, even when the seatbelt sign is off. You'll hear every airline say it, and you'll hear them say it every time the seat is turned. seatbelt sign is turned off. They will say, but please, when you're in your seat... Wear your seatbelt, you know, keep your seatbelt fastened. That's just something that you really should do. If I cannot stress that enough, if this incident doesn't tell you everything you need to know about why, then I don't know what else to do for you. It can be deadly.
0: But it won't bring down the plane. Let's just emphasize that right
1: now. You're going to be much safer being strapped in your seat and allow the airplane to go back and you get off and be a little annoyed that you're going to be really delayed, but everything's okay and the airplane's fine. Rather than being severely injured and the airplane's fine and, you know, or dead. That's definitely a possibility, unfortunately. So that's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Just wear your seatbelt.
2: Wear your seatbelts. Yep. Please. Not just on planes.
0: Yeah, that too.
1: <laughs> United commended their crews, uh, this crew in particular, in a bulletin where they also described the incident in detail to their other flight crews and cabin crews, as well as to the industry in general. And they explained the continued importance of good communication between the flight crew and the cabin crew on all flights. Just, it's really important to have that communication between the front and the back, you know, to know what's going on. And obviously the captain in this case took a lot of matters into his own hands. He went back and checked and he was talking to the cabin crew and stuff. And I mean, it just... It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you really. All the detail you can get when a situation is evolving like that. So that was also a good thing. Uh, United, after this incident, also reinforced its policy of encouraging passengers to wear their seatbelts at all times when seated. Just. Can
0: we say it it again? Yes. Wear your
2: damn seatbelt. Please wear. If you're sitting down, you should be wearing your seatbelts.
1: Yes. So. The, this is that's part of why this is a minisode, because there's not really any changes that could come out of this either. And it's nothing new, nor has anything really changed with that situation in general. But one of those things was just like, just wear your seatbelt. Just do it. Just this. This is just a good example of why. If you have no other reason, take it so as not to die. Please. <laughs> that's it.
2: That's it. Well, thanks for a little mini so duples conglomeration. Yes.
1: yes, a conglomeration of <laughs>
2: and look forward to the next three weeks of it. Yes. Remember, mini are usually included with Patreon. We just haven't covered these in a very long time. We busy yo. And because we had them we decided to cover them for you guys. So if you want more of them, you should become a patron. But also, because you can get it at the $5 level, too. It's one of the things that we included because you guys don't get extra, like you don't get Miranda-sode content. Mm-hmm. So we included it with the $5 tier. And so if you want more of these or you find uh, – sometimes you guys send us recommendations that have five-page reports. Yep. We can't do those as
0: a full episode, but we'll do them as a mini-sode.
2: Yes. So We
0: are also more apt to doing – uh general aviation incidents and if you if there's enough for a military one we could do that too mm-hmm.
1: anything that's not our kind of usual stuff anything small like that we'll we can throw those into minisodes there's one up there uh that i did that honestly i really liked that episode it was, it was really good it, was, it fun. was informative but it was short and it was easy
2: so thank you for listening We hope that you have a safe and healthy week, and we will catch you all next week.
0: Keep your speed up.
2: Please like and follow us on Facebook and
0: Instagram at Hardlandings Podcast and on Twitter at Hardlandings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen.
1: If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions.
0: This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo.
1: And our logo is by Naomi from Not a Monster, Not a Boogeyman.
0: Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.